Hi, and welcome to the Law Notes episode of the Legal LGBT Podcast. I'm Eric Lesh, Executive Director of Legal, the LGBT Bar of New York. On this week's episode, we have a couple of, as we discussed, human interest stories. No huge appellate rulings, but actually these are really interesting cases, so I hope we appreciate the kind of deeper dive into some of these cases. First, we have a case from Chicago where Trump's only LGBT judicial nominee so far rejected a Board of Immigration Appeals decision involving the denial of a married same-sex couple's immigration petition. Next, we'll discuss the case of an anti-LGBT Pentecostal Christian school, which is suing in order to remain in Maryland's scholarship program despite its anti-LGBT stances. Finally, we will explore the case of a Texas art teacher who is suing after she was placed on administrative leave last year after showing students a photo of her female partner. Her suspension happened despite being awarded Teacher of the Year twice. With us is New York Law School Professor Art Leonard, Chief Editor and Writer of Legal's LGBT Law Notes, the most comprehensive monthly publication covering the latest LGBT legal developments here and abroad. Hi, Art. Hi. How are you? Okay. Yeah, you're excited because you're getting ready to go on vacation soon. Yeah, yeah. At first, I have to grade 111 contracts exams, <laughs> and then I get That'll to go, be a breeze. Then I get, well, not quite, then I get to go on vacation. Oh. What's, what is that? That's the... Uh, um, uniform Commercial Code. Uniform Commercial Code. <laughs> I remember some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, the mailbox rule. I don't test on the mailbox rule. <laughs> okay. That's, that's archaic with email. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Who cares? All right. Well, let's dig right in. Um, the first case that we're going to talk about um, involves one of uh, Trump's judicial nominees, but it's actually a, a pretty decent outcome. Trump's judicial nominees have largely been very white, very male, and very anti-LGBT. U.S. District Judge Mary Rowland is on, is the only openly gay Trump judicial com- confirmed nominee. Is that right? Well, maybe oh. as of today... Because Patrick Bomate is up today before the oh, Senate for no the kidding. Ninth Circuit. Really? So, oh, I hadn't been paying attention. Out gay man from San Diego, who was another one of these, you know, real right wingers. But yeah, you know. Oh, that's always interesting when you you've know, got like a right wing gay but, guy. I don't know if he's a log cabin Republican, but oh, uh, God. Uh, it was. Uh, they made a big deal when he was nominated the first time around because yeah. the first time around the Senate wouldn't take it up, and now it's. Is it before it's, the it's Judiciary actually, Committee? No, it's, or it's on the floor today. Oh, no kidding. There, there's a vote today. Wow. Uh, he's uh, an Asian-American man from San yeah. Diego who has been assistant U.S. attorney and uh, has mm. also worked at Maine Justice. Wow. And uh, is very well qualified, and he's going on the Ninth Circuit. Holy cow. I'm usually pretty good at paying attention to these and judicial he will be nominees. The first, I think the first out gay judge on a federal circuit court of appeals. I think we have uh, people on the on the federal circuit, but not on the numbered uh, circuits. There's the yeah, there's the federal circuit yeah. circuit. Um, I can't remember yeah, for the his patent name. specialist. Right, right, right. right. Okay, well that's uh, interesting, not heartening. So let's get back to this good one. Um, she recently issued a ruling in favor of a married same-sex couple in Chicago, whose form I-13 petition was rejected. I-130. 
I-130. Yeah. Oh, okay. You'll have to tell me what this is. This petition is typically granted when there's a valid family relationship that exists between a U.S. citizen and a person seeking a green card. Right. Is well, that this, right? Yeah, although this is, you know, this is one of those interesting stories. So well, get, get into it. So there's this guy from Romania okay. named Radu Sheslerian. Okay. And Mr. Sheslerian. That just rolled off your tongue. Yeah, well, I, I, I was rehearsing for this. So on December 31st, 2005, at a New Year's Eve party, uh, I think in Chicago, uh, he met Nina Garcia, a U.S. citizen. Okay. And a month later, they got married. Wasn't where I thought this was going. No. Go ahead. Well, that's, that's what makes this an interesting story. Gotcha. So, so they got married, and uh, they were living together. Uh, and after they had been married about six months, she filed an I-130 petition to have him recognized as a spouse of an American citizen and okay. special immigration status and everything else. Uh, so uh, this thing lingered for three years okay. before they were turned down by the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service. They had an interview. Okay. Uh, the problem was they didn't really have merged finances. Okay. And uh, some months after the interview, they stopped living together. Okay. Uh, and when it's not made clear in the opinion what happened to that marriage or how you know, genuine that marriage was. But uh, the uh, USCIS decided to deny the petition. Uh, they feared that the marriage was entered into solely for immigration purposes. Okay. And a marriage that's made solely for immigration purposes is not qualifying to get an I-130 petition. Okay. So uh, they turned them down. And a few months after they were turned down, they got formally divorced. Okay. And then who should come along but Thomas Valdivia, Jr., who evidently was a friend of theirs because he actually filed an affidavit in support of the I-130 that Nina Garcia had filed oh. on behalf of Mr. Cheslerian. All right. But at any rate, he and Mr. Cheslerian became an item. Okay. And eventually, when marriage equality was available, they got married. Okay. And after they got married, Mr. Valdivia files an I-130 petition. Yeah. Now, there is a provision in the immigration law that says that if you have once tried to game the system by filing a sham marriage petition in order to get uh, a status in the U.S., you may never do it again. Okay. And that's you, what they found this last that's time. That's what they, uh, this time they turned it down. They said that the prior one was a sham marriage. Right. He's disqualified. Wow. Okay. So they appealed and the Board of Immigration Appeals agreed and they took it up to the U.S. District Court and you know how it is. You go and you file a, a, a claim in the U.S. District Court. They spin the wheel. They reach in. They pull out the little thing. Yeah. And they say, oh, you're getting Judge Rowland. Right. And I'm sure their eyes lit up. Judge Rowland. Ah. <laughs> Trump's recent appointee. He's just been on the bench a little while who's an right. out lesbian. Okay. Well, yeah. maybe we got a shot here. Yeah. Because Cheslerian's story is, he said he came from a very traditional... A Christian background, and it, he struggled, you know, it took him a long time to accept that he was gay and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, much longer than other people, he said. Uh, and that explains the earlier marriage and the whole thing, and the subsequently uh, hooking up with Mr. Valdivia and becoming partners. And uh, Judge Rowland seemed to have some empathy for that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and she decided, and you know, you read this opinion, and I read it several times. I wrote it up for Gay City News, and my editor called me up. He said, "I can't believe this story." He said, "How did she? How did she get around that thing?" You know, mm -hmm. and we went back and forth on it. Uh, 
she basically draws a distinction between a uh, a fraudulent marriage and a sham marriage. Okay. And she says that uh, they he was not trying to defraud the immigration service. Mm-hmm. At the time, he wasn't out. At the time, they said that Nina Garcia and uh, Radu Shazlerian had not documented sufficiently the bona fides of their marriage, and that's why they were turned down. Okay. They didn't have a finding expressly in any opinion that it was a sham or that it was a fraud at the time it was contracted. Okay. They said that's what counts, at the time it was contracted. Uh-huh. There's no evidence in the record of a finding that it was fraudulent at the time he married Nita Garcia. Wow. That, that, and because the statute says marriage for the purpose of evading the immigration law. Yeah. So you have to look at what the purpose of the marriage was. Mm-hmm. And at the time they got married, uh, that wasn't this, the this wasn't some secret marriage. It wasn't like right. they were living apart, although they subsequently separated. Uh, so Judge Rallins, send it back. Send it back to the Immigration Service. Reconsider this case and give them a, a second shot hmm. to prove that this new marriage is valid. And she says the prior marriage does not disqualify. So now it should be decided more or less de novo. Yeah. whether uh, this is a valid marriage for purposes of immigration. So they have to go back and look at the first to marriage to make sure that that... The, the first marriage is not in the picture now, I okay. think, as a result of this right. opinion. Okay. The, the judge has said she, he's not So you set that aside and you look at this right. new petition afresh. Because because the basis of this opinion was the previous marriage. Okay. Turning him down because of the previous marriage. Gotcha. So now they have to inquire into the bona fides of this marriage. I'm surprised that this hasn't this issue hadn't gone up on appeal in some precedential way you know uh, about what there was it, nothing about it the statute actually meant when they said fraud well, sham at the I'm sure there are lots of cases on that okay. and, and uh, there are various distinctions that can be made based on the factual situation but this was uh, you know a nice preliminary outcome I mean right. what we're talking about today are three cases where we're talking about motions pretrial motions and things of that sort or you know we're, we're not talking about final rulings on right. the merits. So we may have updates as we yes. go along. Um, we may. We may. Um, what I was heartened by this case was that it wasn't um, a case about a judge being confused about what it means to maybe come out and to, to have an experience of not accepting who you were be, and coming out and ending up in a same-sex relationship or not understanding that bisexuality is an actual thing, that people right. do marry men and then marry women. And, and vice versa. And, and that doesn't affect, you know, whether or not whether a marriage is a sham. Right. Um, so that's good that this case wasn't about that. <laughs> As far as we know. <laughs> this is one of the problems. You read these yeah. judicial opinions, and they, they dole out the facts, right. and it's based on the pleadings. And uh, in this case, uh, this was a motion for summary judgment, so it's, it's based on pleadings and affidavits you know, yeah. and, and deposition testimony. It's not uh, based on an actual live trial. Have you seen any other interesting rulings from Judge Rowland? Not yet. This not is yet. the first I've read, and, and okay. she's, she's, she hasn't been on the bench very long. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting. I don't recall to see. her background. I I'll have to look it up and maybe. I, th- I think she was uh, a magistrate. Okay. Judge. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on this case uh, and and keep you updated. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll talk about um, access to scholarship money for a discriminatory school. <laughs> Art looked at me like, maybe yes. Not, maybe not a discriminatory school. <laughs> oh, okay.
Bethel Ministries, Inc., a Pentecostal Christian church, operates a private school, Bethel Christian Academy. The school's parent-student handbook includes a statement of non-discrimination that doesn't mention sexual orientation or gender identity, but does include the following passage. It should be noted, however, and I'm quoting here, that Bethel Christian Academy supports the biblical view of marriage, defined as a covenant between one man and one woman, and that God immutably bestows gender upon each person at birth as male or female to reflect his image. Faculty, staff, and student conduct is expected to align with this view, close quote. When Bethel was informed that the student would no longer be qualified to, that its students would no longer be qualified to receive scholarship money because of the school's policy on sexual orientation and gender identity, they sued. What do you think, Art? Okay, this is an alliance defending freedom case. What we a surprise. Put, put the or in there. Yeah. Well, this is, this is sort of interesting. Uh, and uh, this is another Trump-appointed judge, mm. but there's a story. This is Judge Stephanie Gallagher of the U.S. District Court for the District of Maryland. She was originally nominated by Barack Obama. Okay, yeah. And uh, then her nomination lapsed uh, because Mitch McConnell wouldn't confirm any of Obama's appointees if he could get away with stopping. Uh, so uh, Trump comes along and he renominates her. Yeah. Surprise. He did renominate some Obama nominees whose, uh, whose uh, nominations had lapsed. And so the fact that she's a Trump-appointed judge, you know, we, we go back to the chief justice statements. We don't have Obama judges and Clinton judges and Trump judges. We just have judges. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think we found the two as, exceptions as, as to that As a veteran of, of Lambda's Fair Courts Project, you, you know, <laughs> yeah, that you know about that. That is not true. <laughs> but anyway, in this case, uh, Maryland passed a statute uh -huh. to assist poor children in being able to go to non-public schools, to private schools, including Christian schools. Okay. Uh, and the statute says that the schools may not discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation in admissions. Okay. It just mentions admissions. Right. All right. It says no discrimination based on sexual orientation in admissions. Okay. Okay. So uh, – Bethel Christian Academy was one of many schools that applied to participate in the program, and they were initially approved. And for the first two years that the program was in effect, they had a fair number of scholarship students. In order to qualify for the program, someone had to meet the qualifications for the uh, state subsidized school lunch program. Okay. If someone's income, family income was low enough to get free school lunches, they will qualify to apply for these scholarships. And the scholarships were evidently pretty substantial. So uh, for the first year of the program, they had 17 scholarship students. This is called the BOOST Scholarships, which, okay. it, which is an acronym for Broadening Options and Opportunities for Students Today, BOOST. Uh, so they had 17 BOOST scholars in the 2016-17 school year, and they had 18 in the 2017-18 school year. In the fall of 2017, the State Ed Department said, it's time to do an audit of the program and make sure that all the participating schools are qualified. So they contacted all the schools, mm -hmm. and Bethel was asked, please send us a copy of your non-discrimination policy. And so they sent their non-discrimination policy, which covers race, color, national, and ethnic origin as prohibited grounds of discrimination. Uh, it does not mention, as you said, sexual orientation or gender identity. And uh, you, uh, you read the handbook from the passage about marriage and gender. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, the education department people 
look at the handbook. Mm -hmm. They know what's missing from the non-discrimination policy. Mm -hmm. They contact Bethel and they say, uh, you know, under Maryland law, you can't participate in the program if you discriminate based on sexual orientation. And the response of the school was, we don't discriminate in admissions based on sexual orientation. They said, we decide admissions based on test scores and application forms and stuff of that sort. We don't ask about sexual orientation. We don't take it into account. Anyone, regardless of their sexual orientation, is welcome to be a student. Oh, and by the way, since this is a Christian academy, no one's allowed to have sex. Equal opportunity mm-hmm. policy. No one is allowed to have sure. sex. Sure. Yeah. Students are not allowed to have sex. Okay, fine. That's part of our rules. Yeah. Um, we don't discriminate based on sexual orientation. So the advisory In board to the Boost program, there's a formal advisory board, and they get to vote on things. Mm-hmm. So they had a public meeting on May 3rd, 2018, to discuss the situation with respect to Bethel. And during that meeting, according to the complaint in this case, written by Alliance Defending Freedom, so we know how they spin their complaints, a member of the board, quote, made several derisive comments about Bethel and its views. For example, he described the school's view of marriage as, quote, problematic and suggested that its policy on biological sex violated the non-discrimination provision. Okay, so... Uh, the education department contacts Bethel and they said, are you sure, you know, we, uh, the advisory board had a meeting and they're really questioning whether you're in compliance. So Bethel responds, they said, uh, we have never turned away any applicant because of sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. We have never inquired. We don't take it into account. Mm. All right. So the advisory board, next meeting, they went into closed session. And when they came out of closed session, they voted not only to suspend Bethel from participating in the program, they want them to give back $102,000 in scholarship money for Whoa. the previous two years. Okay. Here's Not the playing same. around. Good. Uh, and as a result of suspending them, according to ADF's complaint, they left families to scramble to find money to keep their kids in school, et cetera. I mean, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. So uh, this lawsuit was brought, and they're claiming First and Fourteenth Amendment violations. Uh, they're saying that they're discriminating against the school because it is a religious school. Uh, they are saying that there are other religious schools that are in the program that have identical policies to Bethel that have not been suspended. So they're claiming equal protection violation there as well. Okay. Uh, and the state, of course, the state defendants moved to dismiss. And the federal district judge said, hey, based on the allegations in the complaint, which I have to accept as true for purposes of a motion to dismiss, Mm -hmm. it sounds like they don't discriminate based on sexual orientation, at least for purposes of this motion, they don't. And the statute just addresses admissions. And so that stuff in the handbook about marriages and about gender transition, that's not really relevant because we're focusing on admissions and the statute just says you can't discriminate in admissions. Hmm. And they say they don't. Now, that's not to say that when we get to a trial, it couldn't be proved that they do discriminate based on sexual orientation, and then they can be suspended from the program. Right. But uh, for purposes of a motion to dismiss, they allege that they don't discriminate. They're not claiming that the uh, non-discrimination requirement in the statute is unconstitutional or anything for imposing an undue burden on them or something. They're saying, we're not violating it. We accept it. Very interesting case. Yeah. Uh, be interesting to see if this goes to trial. Uh, you know what 
facts the court actually finds. Mm. I thought it was interesting that you brought up the um, ADF mentioning the board member who said something about like passing like, judgment. Sounds it sounds like, like masterpiece. masterpiece. Yeah. yeah, and you know we're running into that in lots of cases where right. you know they they go back and what we got to do is we got to have in-service training for members of boards and commissions to say don't talk about religion right. while you're deciding a case yeah. in public during a hearing yeah problematic on, didn't really strike me as strike me deeply as... concerning no but but to adf if you describe any religious belief as problematic you're ridiculing religion wow. that's their position okay um all right. Well, this is an interesting case. Uh, it, so it's going back down. Going, well, it's a motion to dismiss. Is oh, so, yeah. so now we're going to have discovery. Now we're going to have people under oath. Okay. Now we're going to find out what the truth is. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, it, very interesting case. Let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're still going to stay in the school's context. All right, we're back. Stacy Bailey was twice elected Teacher of the Year at Charlotte Anderson Elementary School in Texas. Um, it's in the Mansfield Independent School District. Uh, but last August, she was placed on administrative leave after she showed her students a photo of her and her future wife during a Get to Know Your Teacher presentation. Her suspension occurred after one parent complained that Bailey was promoting a homosexual agenda. As a public school employee, she is asserting that her right to equal protection and due process was violated. This is Stacy, of course. Right. So go ahead, Art. Yeah, what do we have? Well, she, she'd been there for 10 years, and as you said, she was voted Teacher of the Year twice. Mm -hmm. She was very well respected, very well loved uh, as an ele elementary school art teacher, uh -huh. and uh, she was out. Pretty much, uh, we're not told that she talked about being a lesbian to the kids or anything, but she was out to the staff. She was out to the administration. Mm -hmm. No one had a problem with it. And then a parent calls up and says she's proselytizing. You know, she's, she's promoting a homosexual agenda, the famous homosexual agenda that we all voted on years ago. Right. You know, has, has been revised from time to time. Wow. Uh, but at any rate, uh, you know, one what's parent, it look like today? One parent calls up, and the the school district freaks out. You know, because they're afraid that this parent is going to make a scene at a board meeting or something. Yeah. So they call Bailey in. The uh, HR director for the district calls her in and says, "Will you please sign a paper uh, stating that you're not going to engage in, in inappropriate discussion of sexual matters with your students?" And and she said, "Well, what do you mean? I didn't discuss sexual matters with my students. I just showed them a picture of me with my girlfriend. You know, yeah. big deal." Right. You know, well, on Get to Know You Day. It, it turns no out less. that this is one of the things that teachers do on Get to Know You Day. They show a picture with their family, with their kids, with their husbands. And their boyfriends, How else do you right? get to know someone? Right. So, <laughs> you know, so she says, no, I, 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 don't, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not signing it. She said, this is wrong and it might even be illegal. That's her recollection of what she said. Mm -hmm. uh, so later that day, she's placed on administrative leave by the school superintendent. Okay. And uh, they asked her to quit. She refused, wow. uh, and the word went out. We're not told exactly how the word went out, but the word went out, and lots of parents were very upset about what happened to Miss Bailey, right? Because she was beloved, right? You know, people uh, people whose whose kids had been in her class, they all loved her to pieces, and so they started showing up at board meetings complaining. And according to the complaint, the board was sort of taken aback by the fact that the parents were supporting the teacher. And they said, we've had complaints. It turns out it's two complaints from the same parent right. who called twice. Wow. Because she also mentioned uh, an artist who had a boyfriend. 
you know. So, uh, you know, the, the gay agenda is sprouting wings here. Okay. So, uh, after oh, she The artist refused, was a man, I'm assuming. Yes. After she refused to okay. quit, after she refused to quit, uh-huh. uh, she said, look, I'm ready. You just bring me back into the classroom. Well, they suspend her for eight months, basically the remainder of the school year. Yeah. And then... Oh, wow. Be, be, they were not going to renew her contract. So it's basically like being basically. fired. Yeah, they were not going to renew her contract, but the parental pressure built up and at a board meeting in March, they issued a press release. And this was like their strategic mistake. They issued a press release, and the press release ultimately, in the subsequent lawsuit, becomes a basis for municipal liability against the school district. Okay. Because, uh, you know, if, you're, if you are a public employee and you're claiming a violation of your constitutional rights, normally it devolves on who made a decision not to hire you or to fire you or something like that. Uh, you can't sue the municipality or the school district or whatever it is. You have to sue the individual mm-hmm. because the municipality is basically uh, no respondeat superior for constitutional violations by the individuals. Uh, but if you can show that the individual who made the decision was effectuating an official policy, uh-huh. then you can draw in the municipality or the school district or whatever. So... Uh, the lawsuit was against the HR director and the school superintendent in both their individual and official capacities. Okay. And suing in their official capacity is basically suing the school board. Right. And so the school board comes in and says, you can't sue us. And the answer was, you approved this press release stating a policy that she had engaged in age-inappropriate action. Okay. What's inappropriate for showing second graders a picture of you and your fiance, right? You know, unless, of course, you're discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation, because you right. So then they come in, and they come in with the same old, you know, the same old thing you would always get. Well, uh, because uh, neither the Fifth Circuit nor the Supreme Court has identified uh, homosexuals as a protected class or a suspect class, you've got to dismiss this case. Right. And here, once again, it was a lucky judge, okay? The Northern District of Texas is infamous for its conservative judges. Yeah. You know, especially the judge who issues these nationwide injunctions against gay people and stuff. All right. Bill Clinton appointed the city attorney of Dallas to the federal district court back in the 90s. He's the first African-American man to serve in the Northern District of Texas. Wow. And by the turn of the wheel, he's the judge in this case. So he looks at this. But of course, as you said, there aren't Clinton judges or Trump judges. No, no. <laughs> so right. so we, we got the judge here, uh, Sam A. Lindsay. Okay. Uh, and he took a look at this and he said, look, I think, you know, reading that press release, it sounds like they got some policies here. It sounds like maybe we have municipal liability against the school district. Right. So I am not going to dismiss it as against the school district. Okay. And furthermore, he said, it is well established, clearly established, in both Fifth Circuit and Supreme Court law that you can't discriminate as a public employer against people because of their sexual orientation unless you have at least a rational basis for doing so. And, you know, they're claiming, you know, they had, the per- they had parents complaining. One parent, Mm -hmm. one parent complained Mm -hmm. about something that's fairly innocuous. Mm -hmm. And they claim that she's showing sexually inappropriate stuff. She didn't talk about sex with her students. And the picture is not a picture of two women making out. 
It's a picture of two women in some kind of Halloween costume together going out to trick or treat or something like that. Yeah. It's like they were in, in, in costumes of some sort. But it's perfectly innocent. It's, yeah. There's nothing sexual about it. Right. Uh, so he says it's clear that they, uh, they are assuming that parents are homophobic. Right. And they're assuming that you can respond to homophobia like that by taking someone out of the classroom. And he said, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. He he cited one of my favorite Supreme Court cases, Palmori versus Sadati, which is this mm -hmm. old decision about uh, a, a case where uh, uh, child care authorities in Florida removed an adopted child from a home because uh, the mother married a person of the other race. Okay. And they said people are prejudiced against interracial marriages. And the Supreme Court said... You can't use other people's you can't prejudice. Use, you can't use the prejudices of people to make official decisions. Right. You know, you can't do that. So in, in this case, he said, uh, just because a particular parent, uh, uh, you know, has these stereotypical views about homosexuals and a homosexual agenda, you as a school district can't do that, and you as a superintendent can't do that. Wow. Uh, you have to know that if you're moving against a lesbian teacher who won Teacher of the Year twice, you better have a pretty damn good reason for doing it. Wow. You know, you need uh, a real rational basis here, not some made-up hypothetical rational All basis. Right. So uh, the court, while they did dismiss the uh, personal liability against the HR director because they said there was no evidence that the HR director made this decision. This decision was made by the superintendent. And she'd also claimed that they were burdening her right to marry. Hmm. And okay. the court said, yeah, but they did get married soon thereafter. So clearly they weren't that burdened as to their right to marry. So I'm going to dismiss that too. Hmm. But they've got a First Amendment claim and she's got a, a, a due process claim. Mm -hmm. Equal protection claim. Yeah, pretty good case. Wow, that's a really interesting. And case. this one got a lot of press. Yeah, because, I, I you know, read a couple of. The as press soon now. as she was suspended, you know, Facebook and Twitter and everyone went crazy at the gay press, of course. Right. You know, kindergarten teacher fired for showing picture of her girlfriend. Well, to it's her outrageous, class. and and it's Actually, nice to see. It's nice to see somebody in Texas bringing a case like this, right. um, and Dallas. surviving the very first yeah. instance. The Northern District of Texas. Wow! But of course, she got lucky on the judge. She got very lucky. Just on just the like judge. the the folks up in Chicago with the immigration thing, they got lucky with the judge. Wow, um, that's really incredible. I yeah, yeah. huh? All right, well. Um, Let's go ahead and, well, let's not take a break. Let's just do note. the of note. Usually we tell some kind of human interest story here. But well, in this case, do you have something like, what, you, what are you going to throw at us? What I'm going to throw at you is anyone who reads our uh, prisoner litigation notes oh, yeah. and the other articles by Bill Rolls about prisoner cases knows that one of these issues that's really a touchy issue in the prison world is gender transition in prison. Okay. Okay. And the state of Idaho has been fighting for years oh, right. against the attempt by... Uh, but this uh, is the one they lost. This is the one they lost. They, uh, Ms. Edmo, Audrey Edmo. Right. They lost in the Ninth Circuit. That's a great ruling. Uh, a federal district judge uh, issued an injunction, mm -hmm. and they're still fighting it. They're still fighting it. Right. We've talked about this case We've before. We've talked about this case before. The Ninth Circuit ruling. So what's of interest, we had some developments during okay. November. Uh, there, the the judge has been saying, you know, they, they had filed a petition for on-bank rehearing in the Ninth Circuit. So in the meantime, they wanted the judge to stay his injunction so they don't have to do anything. Right. And the judge says, well, you can do the preparatory stuff prior to the surgery. Okay. This litigation, he points out, 
is likely to cost seven digits before it's over. Wow. Between, you know, uh, the attorney's fees that are ultimately going to be paid to right. the plaintiffs yeah. when it's all over and the cost to the state of litigating this, uh, you know, it's, it's really ridiculous. Uh, this is uh, a typical thing, uh, like most places, uh, Idaho subcontracts the medical in their prisons, in this case to Corizon, which is frequently a provider in many states. And Corizon says, oh, we shouldn't be a defendant in this case because we don't have any policy on this. We're just effectuating the state's policy. Right. And the judge says, oh, yeah, you're right. You're just effectuating the state's policy. But your doctor, who you deploy on site, is the one that turned down Ms. Edmo for her operation. I so remember. he is still individually a defendant. Wow. But uh, as Bill points out in his article on this issue of law notes, uh, all of these petitions for stays and these mm -hmm. petitions to the, to the Ninth Circuit to delay things and stuff, Corizon is still listed as a party on them. So he says, when it's all over, I bet Corizon is going to be on the stick for some of these attorney's fees as helping to prolong this yeah. case. Wow. It's sort, of, sort of interesting. Well, hopefully they'll lean in on this uh, on the state. Yeah. Uh, but, but this is you know a recurring issue around the country. A right. handful of court of appeals have held that transgender prisoners are entitled uh, when it's medically necessary to transitional medical care. This is was a groundbreaking ruling. The right. chances of this getting en banc review are nil. Um, Wow. It's an interesting, uh, interesting development. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for uh, doing this art. We got this in just before your vacation and just before you grade exams. And when do you come back to school? When is school? School starts on the 12th. Okay. Because of my vacation. That's soon. Because of my vacation, the 12th of January. I know that's soon. Yes. I, I'm going away. I'm going to be away two weeks. I come back. I start teaching the next day. No, I was just thinking about my syllabus. Yeah. <laughs> which, which that's this week is the syllabus. You know, is due for sexuality. I have. Well, I have to do it before I start grading because then I won't have time. Oh, okay, okay. So do it. Maybe I need to. That's think. why this book is up here. Oh goodness. All right. So yes, I have some work to do too. Yes. It sounds like. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Okay. We'll be back uh, in January, presumably Probably at some later time in later in January with our Law Notes episode of the Legal LGBT podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back. Happy holidays.